What's up, guys? Welcome to the VQ Podcast. My name is Johnny D. Wynn, and my guest today is Brian Wynn, a WWE referee. He's actually the only WWE, uh, only Vietnamese American that works for the company, and uh, I'm super excited to have a conversation with you, Brian. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Johnny, thanks for having me. uh, I've been excited to have this conversation with you because you actually get to live out almost like a a dream of mine (laughs) to work for um, this this amazing company. Cool, yeah, I'm excited to do this, yeah. Well, first and foremost, man, you got to take me all the way back to the beginning of Blau. You got even involved with, let's let's start to, how did the, how did WWE um, started in your own life? Like, were you a fan growing up of, uh, of the product? So, yeah, I was like, um, everyone kind of starts off like with uh, WWF superstars on Saturday mornings, right? So that was kind of the thing with my dad. Um, I mean, he worked a lot during the week, like he'd have his, you know, seven to three o'clock job. And then after that, he, when he was done, he would actually have a second job, which was doing like building maintenance. And he would help out with uh, anyone to, you know, he's got to fix a faucet or anything like that with, with apartments. He just had, he knew someone that would able to uh, hire him to do the side jobs. So he was basically busy a lot, you know, during the week. So Saturdays were for him and me. And our thing that we did together was watch WF superstars. I remember he'd wake up in the morning, he'd make me a, a Lipton soup or, or anything or some pizza rolls or anything like that. And we'd watch it together. Um, and then some nights there'd be Saturday night's main event. So I did not mean um, event. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when that would come on, um, I, I don't even remember what time it was. I remember I'd fallen asleep by then cause it would be so late, but he'd wake up and Hey, wrestling's on or Hogan's on the cage match, you know, and then and we'd wake up and we'd watch it together. And if there was any, uh, like SummerSlam WrestleManias, like we didn't have cable, <laughs> like most Vietnamese families, like, I guess we don't we don't feel like paying the extra for for, for no no that I, is, I remember uh, actually watching the scrambled um yeah just to even hear. <laughs> that's a luxury right that's it's it's not what you can what would you yeah. do with your antenna you move it around put some foil on it and you know get it to work so I'd be a few weeks late because you'd wait for it to be on Coliseum video get into the uh, rental but he made sure that we got there. Um, right when it opened, so that we could rent the first video, if the WrestleMania or SummerSlam, whatever it was, what pay per view it was, we'd be able to get it, take it home right away, and then watch it. So I'd be a little bit late on you know, watching the matches and all that stuff, but um, that was our thing. So, and then that's, that's how I really got into wrestling. Oh, probably that was probably maybe six, seven years old that we were got already it. watching wrestling together. Yeah, so that was kind of him and my thing, doing Saturday mornings and Saturday nights. I you know I I feel there's a lot of similar stories. I feel like WWE as a now as a you know I'm in my 40s now. Um, that's how you continue to have such a a long lasting relationship with um with the with the with the, pro, with the company right is that it's mm-hmm. boys and their fathers like it's kind of a place to, to 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 share in those moments of like bonding right. It's a little bit of a and it's it's PG enough I guess <laughs> or it's it's you know. Now uh, again, yeah, 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 yeah. So then, but when did you know that you wanted to actually take it a step further? Because I mean, that was a great story of how you bonded with your father mm-hmm. about that. But like, I mean, so I, I wouldn't even know where to begin in terms of. Yeah, I mean, it the next it's level. a very weird story. It's like um, an on and off relationship, right? So I remember watching that stuff as a kid, 
And then for a while, I remember Superstars wasn't on Saturdays anymore. So it was like Monday Night Raw on um, mm-hmm. USA or TNT or, or uh, TBS, whatever stations that there was on, which was what we talked about before, cable. We weren't going to have that. So it was one of those things where um, I'd be a day late on that now. And I started watching it back in high school because a lot of it was the Attitude Era. And then, like, you see a lot of people say, you know, suck it and do all that stuff. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, is this the new thing that's in with wrestling and stuff like that? So I had a buddy of mine. Um, he would record it on Monday nights, and then he would give it to me Tuesdays. I wouldn't be able to watch it till Tuesday. So I'd always be a day behind. Mm-hmm. But then that's what kind of got me back into wrestling, all my high school friends doing all the DX stuff. and uh, Yeah. Um, so that's what got me back into it. I really wasn't into the WCW because that was the whole – I was always into just WWF. But, I mean, when they would brought up ref, bring up references like that, I wouldn't really understand. I was like, ah, one show's good enough, you know. <laughs> so that was how I kind of got back into wrestling. And then once I got to college, it kind of just uh, – Felt, again, fell away to the waste. I was just like, ah, I'm off. With, I'm not w- really with it again until maybe my second year in college. When I started working at a uh, Applebee's because a, a friend of mine got me into it. And then from there, there was a ring announcer. So, and his name is Josh. Uh, he goes by Sir Samurai. But um, Josh, so he was pretty pretty easy to talk to about the whole wrestling thing. So I was able to get myself back into wrestling and understand storylines and like really get. Um, interested in it again so from there i found out that he worked at a independent wrestling doing uh ring announcing so i was like ah i'll go and i'll support you um and then from there i was like ah this is pretty interesting this seems pretty fun you know like it was just like indies is another level than what it is from like uh mainstream wrestling so that got me back into it and i found out that um they were looking for people to just, if you wanted to wrestle or referee. So I was like, ah, well, I don't want to get really too physical, you know? So then I became a referee. That's how I actually started. I did a couple matches. Then I realized when I started, when I started taking a few bumps here and there, I was like, ah, maybe I could do something with this. I'm, I'm still pretty, I, I can move around a little bit. Cause I mean, I did, I did the big three sports in high school, you know, like football, basketball, and baseball. And then before I drifted off to like doing other things, like other sports, like wrestling and badminton. But so I felt like ah, I can move around and, and, and get into this business possibly. And I just realized I started to pick up things really, really fast. And I was like, yeah, maybe I can really do something with it. So, um, so I spent, yeah, four years out in Sacramento doing work with Supreme Pro Wrestling. So that's how I got my start out there. And then so you got your start to the business. So you did do, so you refereed and wrestled or you so wrestled I refereed for about four or five months. And then once I started to pick up wrestling and like really wrestling in general, like doing the moves, um, you know, taking the bumps, flipping and doing all that stuff. I was like, ah, this might be something I can do. And then my trainer, um, Gabe was like, do you, do you actually want to work? I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's try this out. Then I started to really pick it up, and then you know that's when I I said you know I could do something in this business. It was just really interesting getting into that aspect, like learning how to work, how to wrestle, and then putting these stories together and making people you know want to watch your, your match. Um, thought just came through my mind. Let me mm-hmm. just say that it is now you're to be a successful or uh, an effective referee, you 
it is important to get in the ring and also understand how to wrestle. Yeah, and I think that's what's got me this far because I felt like I guess we're going to jump in a little bit ahead uh, ahead here. But um, so at you know I had been doing a lot of extra work for WWE when they come into like San Jose, Oakland, um, Sacramento area. I'd be an extra, and uh, even going back to like Missouri. So shoot, I'm jumping around everywhere here. So, um, but even being extra. Um, I think it was one of those times where I was like ready to, which I mean, I'm jumping far ahead here, but I was, I guess I was ready to quit after being in the business for about nine years. So I went up to the, the, basically the hiring, um, the manager and be like, Hey, what's it going to take? Like, you've seen me being extra here. You've seen my work. I've done matches. I've been in Florida to do tryout matches, stuff like that. Um, what's it going to take to get a job? Because, you know, being 20 at this point, being 29 years old, and I haven't really done anything yet with my life, you know, especially with, you know, Vietnamese parents, like that's, that's kind of like, ah, you're, what are you doing with your life? Right. So yeah, it was one of those things sure. where, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so it was one of the things where I looked in the mirror and was like, oh man, you're 29 years old. What are you doing? Are you still going to chase this thing? So I found like, what's the, what's the worst thing he's going to say? No then I'm just going to have to get into the real world and, and, and use my degree. Um, because when I was training for wrestling, I was going to college at UC Davis as well. So I, I did I my think, degree okay. in communications. So um, once he hires the, hey, you're kind of small, though. What do you think about being a referee? And at that point, I was like, ah, I'm, I'm tired of being a bartender at Chili's at this point, right? Because it was easy to pick up shifts or give away your shifts if you had to do a wrestling show and – at the time, that was just the easiest thing to do to try to make your dream come true. Like, that's how it is with Hollywood, too, right? Like, you see a lot of people with, you hear a lot of people, you know, they do the job, like serving jobs, waiting jobs, waiters, just because you can switch shifts out. And so if you need to take a gig, you need some time off to do some work, you can. And um, so, yeah, I said, yeah. I mean, I, I had nine nine years experience. You know, I I even went to Missouri in 2006 to go learn at um, Harley Race's World League Wrestling because I was I felt like I had done what I could in California as well as a little bit in Portland so because I started wrestling out in Portland um, for Portland Wrestling with Portland TV and I was like ah you kind of just stuck and me I just wanted to get better and I wanted to do something I wanted to do something for the Vietnamese community that I knew was like that hadn't been done and I was gonna never done. I was going to reach it. I was, I had a goal and I was like, I'm going to do something that no Vietnamese person has ever done. And that was my mentality the entire time when I was training, wrestling, anything to do with wrestling. I was like, I was going to be the first. That was the goal. Like, I'm not going to be any regular person. I knew I had to do something. So that's when I did the move to, to Harley race school, which he's a, you know, arguably one of the toughest men this business has ever seen. Right. So I said, what better way than to learn from this guy out here? So I went out there and I trained at his school for three years with one year of it being his head trainer. Because even he knew, you know, even he knew what I was capable of. And I felt like he he knew that I had studied so much that I could run his school, that I could teach the next generation. And that's what 
that's what gives me hope that, you know, if, if I were to ever open up a school that I enjoy teaching, that I can teach the next group of wrestlers. I can teach the next group of referees now since I have that experience. And just if I can have that, I can try to get more Vietnamese people, Asian people into the wrestling business. I, I can say that, you know, maybe it's not as vocal, but there's quite a bit of, uh, at least for myself, I would say there's a lot, there are a lot of Vietnamese Americans that are into the product and into the company, right? Um, and I, I would love, I, I would love to see it one day where um, there's uh, somebody in the main event or somebody even um, in WWE that looks mm-hmm. like me that, uh, um, that, that is doing, that is, part of a really big storyline and and does yeah. it right like I, but equally just i want to also credit you 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 obviously caught my attention um that's why we're on this podcast so you did accomplish what you set out for which is being the first vietnamese american in uh the wwe right yeah and um and and you are arguably like in in terms of visibility you are in these big matches as a referee so um, that's why it was incredibly, I was incredibly proud to, um, and I was excited to want to tell your story because, um, it's seeing you, you know, be in the ring with some, arguably some of the, the legends that I grew up watching Rey Mysterio mm-hmm. to be, um, to be specific. That's, um, that, uh, I, I caught, I caught your, your match with that as well as mm-hmm. a new rising, um, international star like Logan Paul, who is, yeah. um, for those who don't know, like Logan Paul, outside of his social media um, uh, uh, image, this this young man has gone into the WWE and done some work that most guys take years to get to that yeah. level and opportunity. Like I think what a lot of people don't understand. I know they the um, the people assume they they have this idea that combat sport is real fighting and. Um, wwe is fake right Mm -hmm. there's um to a true person who's working in the business uh, i want to hear your take on debunking that that whole um when people say wrestling is fake what what is your um, rebuttal to that or what is your response to that oh there's nothing fake about it at all it's easy to say exactly it's it's scripted yes it's scripted um finishes for matches right but if you jump off a top rope and you land on that canvas, you, you're not faking a, a, an eight-foot jump landing on there. There's a lot of training to be done. I mean, they, you see you see like a 10-minute match on TV or something like that, and you think, oh, this is fake, whatever. But you don't see the work that some of these some of these guys have 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 put in behind it. How much time they've sacrificed. Like me included, I already know. Like I tried it. I tried to do it for nine years before I said, okay, I'll become a referee. It's it's tough. It's, it's, it's hard on your body. It's, I mean, for me, it was moving away from home. You know, for a lot, for a lot of us, we do a lot of sacrifices to, to, to get where we are, you know, and then you're putting in two hours of work each day and like learning how to fall on your back, how to, yeah. you know, how to land correctly. I mean, if, and if you're a smaller guy, like, like how I, I went five, five, like I had to do flips. I had to spring off the top rope. You had, you got to learn all these things. So, you know, it's, it's very demanding on your body. And on top of that, you've got to find a way to get to the gym, you know? And so then now you're putting extra work on your body. Like, can you believe all, all the stress and all the, all, all the work that you're putting your muscles through? Like that's more than, you know, 
the average person, you know, like these guys are these guys are athletes. They're, they're just, athletes. Yeah. They're very good, and they make it look easy. <laughs> I, I want to expand on that. It's they're athletes, but they're also um, phenomenal entertainers. Because um, mm -hmm. what I feel, what makes combat sport very different in comparison to um, superstars in WWE is that you also have to entertain, right? <laughs> now, yeah. um, and in in terms of just to add more context to the demanding side, um, these these um, these wrestlers when they get on TV. They also have to wrestle um, and work uh, live events where they're it's not televised, and that's more or less they're continuously doing these five ten minute matches. But it's uh, it, to to your point, there's travel involved. There's you got to find yeah. yourself to the gym because you your product is your body and um, mm -hmm. and keeping up the shape. And then I think the last thing um, to kind of touch on that is. Um, these wrestlers also have to not try to, especially when they're moving towards a storyline. Um, mm -hmm. They also can't. You're not there to be reckless and try to injure your yeah. um, your 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 partner, right? Your ring partner, mm -hmm. because you want to sometimes even getting just like I would say, like similar. What I my viewpoint is similar to like an actor, right? There's a time where you're riding a nice wave, and yeah. your your character or your your star is is aligning. Like you, and then you have a an antagonist, or in in the wrestling business they call them um, he, heels, that yeah. is also rising at the same time. You want to mm -hmm. dance with that partner for a while because that's what the fans want. But if you injure yeah. it, you'll get written off of that of <laughs> of, of that particular storyline. And it's and that's what what I feel wrestling is currently or WWE product is. You gotta meet every, all the expectations of the fans, but at the same time keep the partner that is. Is is uh um keep the partner that is like hot with you, so good guy mm -hmm. and bad guy, so that the fans keep coming back and watching um how you guys resolve yeah. this particular storyline. Am I yeah? And that's very hard part that? about that. keeping keeping people invested. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about the job of a referee because, like, I for one have some ideas on what you guys do, and you know, people that don't watch mm -hmm. the product, like you know, they they think it's pretty easy you know but yeah. take me through like what makes a great like what the, what is a referee doing what makes a great referee uh so there's two types w with us there's a talent referee who's just you know who goes to the building they'll referee the matches and then when the show is done they'll leave and then so i got you know a, the privilege of being one of the very few people in this world let alone you know now i've got one of the very few people who got to who has to be there early in the morning. Mm -hmm. I've got to go ahead and set up the ring so I can know, you know, know the ins and outs of how to fix a rope. If something snaps, God forbid, something, something happens and, a, and the rope breaks and change the canvas and make sure everything is, is ready to go for, you know, a multi-million dollar corporation. You know, you've got these million dollar athletes inside who are going to perform. And now I've got the responsibility of making sure that everything is, is perfect for them to work in. Wow. You know, so, on top of that, so I have to take care of that in the morning. Um, with that is included with you know um, unloading the trucks to make sure all the oh, stuff wow. gets off. Okay, and then, yeah. so, okay. we're, so we're the crew referees, and there's four of us. But so I'll make sure that's all set up in the morning, and then we have to referee the shows as well. And then once that show is done, someone's got to do the dirty work again. So I, I I'll run back out there, and I'll have to take down the ropes, take off the canvas. 
you know, set everything down and put it back into the truck with uh, with the local help. So that's one of so, the, the jobs I have. Yeah. Okay. So then, but now let's talk about the in-ring um, job. Um, job. What does what is the role of a referee in a match and the importance of the role of a referee in a, in, in a match? So the, uh, first and foremost, we got to take care of the wrestlers as well, you know, as, as, as far as, um, you know, because it is very demanding and a lot of guys are taking stuff that's, that may look like it hurts, but um, we just got to make sure that we can, we can communicate when we're making sure that just like, uh, in, like a boxing referee as well, you know, like, once they get punched or knocked or they're down and they're not looking right, you got to make sure that they're okay to continue. And if they're not okay, it's, it's really up to us to be like, Hey, this is, this is, this has got to stop, you know? So we, we take, we take care of the, of the talent as well, you know, um, as well as, you know, relaying them what they need to be relayed during a match. But I think a lot of it, well, for you me, have like an in ear that happened that. Occurred, yeah. So, that so we'll hear stuff in our ear, like, you know, um, what needs to happen or what, what not. But um, I guess I don't want to get too much into that. Right. No, like we don't need to get into but, that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's just making sure the talent is everybody's still, you know, good enough to fight, you know, good enough to wrestle still. And then just everyone leaving that ring safely. Got it. Got it. So I want to talk a little bit about your, um, I'm curious to know going back to your story with your father, right? Like, yeah. since you guys watched it together, like mm-hmm. when you told him you now work for the WWE, what was his first response? You want to go a little bit before that? Maybe when he was a little bit disappointed <laughs> or yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't we peel that back? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess we, before we get to the glory, right? We got, yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's, disappointment. Let's, so, okay, disappointment. Let's talk about yeah, that. So, so, I mean, they, you know, I guess, I guess for, for any, Vietnamese kid, like, like Asian American kid, it was always like you got to be a doctor. We all hear that, right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Be yeah. A doctor, mm-hmm. you've got to be something where you you got to make a lot of money, right? Well, it was very hard because it was like once I graduated school, um, college, I got my degree. It was like, okay, so you, are you going to join the workforce, like <laughs> field? What what are you going to do now? Yeah. Like, it's right, always right. what's the next step to be successful? Because at the same time, like, I think still like being second generation. Um, I, I mean, it, am I considered that, I guess, if I was born yeah. in Malaysia? I was born in Malaysia, and then kind of we're here still as a baby. So I, I, I would kind say... of, but not. But regardless, it was um, – they came over here, I think it was late 81, early 82. But so I, I guess I was still just, you know, five months old, six months old. But it was one of the things where it's you, – you, I don't know if you feel in – in your family, but it was always like uh, comparing kids, right? It always felt like it was always like mm-hmm. I, I got to brag about my kid and what they do. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about before, I was like I was twenty nine years old. I was still waiting tables. I hadn't done anything yet. So we're like, what's the next thing you're gonna do? Because I want to brag about you. Did you did you become a doctor? <laughs> did you become this? But um, so when I told him that, it's like, hey, he knew I'd been wrestling a little bit in Sacramento, but when I told him that. At 24 years old, and I just graduated college, I was going to be moving to Missouri to, to, to pursue wrestling. It was one of those things where I was like, he kind of just shook his head. And I remember just like the look of disappointment, right? Like, what are you doing here? Like, are you sure this is something you want to do? Right, right. Because what, what Asian person, what Vietnamese person have you seen 
done anything in wrestling. Anything. Let alone yeah. sports. Like, no one in basketball, no one in baseball, one person in football that I know, Dan Wynn, you know, who plays yeah. with the Cowboys. But other than that, from, like, from our you know, generation, there, I would say yeah, this generation like, has, there's a few more now. More successful yeah. now, but when it, you know, early 2000s, it was nothing yet. Nobody. So, yep. so, it, was, so it was a lot of like, you, this is an uphill battle you're, you're trying to do here. That's, I don't know if it's going to work, but I believed in myself the whole time. Like I, like I said before, I was going to be the first Vietnamese person to do something in wrestling. No matter what it was, I was going to do something. I, I was going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for him, like, he was a little bit disappointed. But before I left, I remember he went to, he, he I forgot where he went to, but he came back home and he goes, well, if you're going to move, you're going to have, um, I got you these two bags. One was to pack all my clothes in. Mm-hmm. And the second one was, you know, I could carry on. I could just put little stuff. But even though he was disappointed, he still knew. It was like, okay, if you really believe in yourself, yeah, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to go. Damn. Pack your stuff up. Put okay. it in a car. You're going to go. So that was one of, you know, one of the things where I felt like, all right, he doesn't believe in me. I've got to yeah. do this. Yeah. I yeah. have to. Yeah. So, so I went on my way. And then about three years later, when you know I did extra work and all, and all that stuff happened that we talked about before, where I said I was ready to give up. It was 29 years old. I was like, man, like I can't come home. Just uh, or I'm gonna have to, right? Give up on this thing. But yeah. um, I I gave him a call from St. Louis, and I said, hey, they, they, Dad, they signed me. He was like, what? He goes, yeah. I can't wrestle anymore. I, I can't main event like like wrestling, you know. But I'm gonna be in the main event, even as a referee. He goes, right. right. Well, you made it. You did it. You said what you're gonna do. You're gonna work for that company. You did it. And so that was one of the, the most, awesome moments I ever got to real experience with my dad. It was over a phone call. It was, it was like I did Damn, it. Damn, that's chill, yeah. bro. That's, and has he has he taken advantage of coming and seeing you like uh, at any of the shows? Yeah. So when I first when we first started getting. Um, when I, got, when I finally made it to the main roster, so 2013, I think we had a show in San Jose. So he, so I got him tickets with my sister, uh, my two sisters and their um, their husbands. They all got to come w- and watch me, and they sat there and they, and they were like, "Oh my God, he made it!" You know, like he's in the ring right now in front of this 10,000 seat arena. Oh, yeah. Look at him; he's in the ring. So that and was SAP? pretty awesome. That you know, SAP, SAP Center. Yeah. 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 Or no, uh, HP, right? Or well, it's SAP now, but HP at the time, HP Pavilion, yeah, right? But that was one of those moments where I was like, "Oh my, yeah, they they got to see that's that's their son, cool their brother that. in person." Well, now now to kind of touch on, you know, uh, there there's a clip I'm going to play um, during the podcast of uh, um, relationship between your son River Man- River Mannix. That's what he put down, um, yeah. and you also have a couple other sons and a daughter as well. But like. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it? So your boys, right? Like, obviously, because you work for the company, but like, how did they naturally start getting interested in um in the WWE? Was it is it was it kind of a natural like I want to see what dad does or what um yeah like what are their thoughts on the WWE? My seven year old, he kind of sees it on TV a little bit, but um, he's autistic, so sometimes he doesn't really mm-hmm. get into it. He's the, 
they get into what they want to get to, right? So sometimes he'll just get on his iPad or he'll do what he's really into at that time. And it hasn't been wrestling yet. Um, my 10-year-old, I kind of kept him away from wrestling because I didn't want him to to see, like, punching and, and kicking and doing all that stuff yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like, ah. Uh, at the time, I was like, it was so hard to get into the business. And I was like, man, I don't know if I, <laughs> I even want my kid to go through what I went through because there was a lot of trouble um, going through developmental for me, even like just because you get signed doesn't mean you've made it. There's still a grind that you've got to get to, to get to that point. But, um, he, he, he got to an, about, I guess, six or seven years old. And then he started to watch things a little bit more. And then he would see AEW and then he'd watch a little bit of that. But, um, he's very, he's, he's almost like me. So off and on, you know, um, for the most part now, I think he, if it's on TV and he sees it, um, he'll sit there and watch it. But it's what he sees on, like, I guess, TikTok when he searches on TikTok or Instagram when he sees clips. That's that's as much as a wrestling that he'll really get at the moment. I want to talk about your wife a bit. What was her impression when you guys, like, met for the first time about this <laughs> whole... The, the, did she meet you before you, got, you were in the WWE? Or yeah, oh, so she's been with me from from basically the start, you know? So after I got done with, with college in Sacramento and doing wrestling, and I moved back to the Bay Area, to, you know, to be with my parents because um, I still wanted to chase this dream. And with that, I was like, I, I couldn't pay full rent and stuff like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. these, yeah. some of these indie shows, they don't pay well. You know, you're just getting no, no, yeah. hot dog and a handshake or 20 bucks, you know, not much. So, right. yeah, so that's when I'm still working at. So I had to work at Chili's being a, a server and a bartender there. And that's actually how I met my wife, um, being there. And um, I think she was intrigued that I did wrestling because it was something that, you know, let alone like a Vietnamese wrestler. Like, you just don't see that many wrestlers, I guess, that just kind of are just around. You know, it's it's such a a carny business, you know, like there's a few of us. <laughs> yeah. And um, but from her having an entertainment background singing, I think she kind of knew it was like, oh, this is this is entertainment. Like, let, let, let me go check out some shows as well. We hung out. She'd go a couple of my shows. And I think she's that really interested into it. And she was also one of the ones that was, you know, very strong about, you know, if this is your dream, like, you've got to go chase it. Because one yeah. of the things she did was, she, I know she went, she tried to go to L.A. as well and try to pursue a singing career uh, until a few a certain some things derailed and she moved back to the Bay Area, which I'm very fortunate because if it didn't happen, we wouldn't be together. But, we wouldn't be together, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she, she understood and she knew that I had to chase a dream and she was very... She's very supportive the entire way. So she's been through that. She's been through that while I've been in Missouri, and she's been in the Bay Area to be getting signed <laughs> and moving to Tampa with me. And then, you know, we we were pregnant with our first child. She was the one. You know, she came. We were like, oh, we, luckily I was made full time, so we moved back home to the Bay Area to be with family. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how, yeah. So she's been through me through the whole the whole road, the whole ride. That's super cool. Um, I know you guys are a, um, you guys are a multinational, like a uh, household, right? Like she's, she's not Vietnamese, correct? She's Mexican. Yeah. So it's very, yeah, that yeah. House, the household is very, uh, multicultural. Yeah. Yeah. Multicultural. Mexican, exactly. He gets, he gets to see both, both sides, you know? I would say what, what we, um, for, for her and for your boys, right? Like, and your girl, like what would be some, what are some, like, what are the Vietnamese traits that you, like, you think they, they like the most? Or is it? 
to the holiday stuff that we do? Is it the food? Like, what we say they they uh, they really are embracing their their Vietnamese the Vietnamese side. Well, number one is that right? <laughs> so they, <laughs> I get those red envelopes, right? It's gonna be a good time, that, right? Get some toys, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's very funny because like um, aside from my seven year old, he um because he's um also nonverbal and he doesn't eat solid mm-hmm. foods yet like he's very selective in his eating but we have to feed him through gi tube which can be pretty pretty challenging sometimes my other three it's, they have like vietnamese taste buds like they love pho they love nook mom they yeah. love mong yeah. kong all that stuff and oh, sometimes man. like uh, my yeah. wife will make like That's tacos weird. and stuff and they'll be very awkward in eating the tacos like with with the chicken and the tortillas like they eat it separately which is kind of weird but like so we've got to teach them how to like eat eat the right way like mexican food but if it's vietnamese food like their taste buds they they're all about it like uh, well i, I think it helps also being if, in the bay area because yeah that it helps being in the yeah. bay area because of uh, the different options you guys have you know mm-hmm. but anytime if it's sundays like we'll, we'll try to go to i'm knowing by noise house and then if they go there, they know it's going to be far. They know it's going to be something good. Cause <laughs> so for right now, for your they're ready to go. Yeah. So food, food is one way of kind of like embracing their Vietnamese uh, identity right now for your, for your boys, right? For them, yeah. For so sometimes kids. I'm just like, uh, because I have, I have nephews and nieces too that um, they can't eat like nook um, mom. Because yeah. sometimes it can maybe be a little bit too strong, but... Those kids, man, they just they just mow it down. <laughs> That's why it's like when they when they have Vietnamese taste buds, it's like they they really are. <laughs> what about they really okay, enjoy now, that culture? Yeah, that side. Yeah, I want to talk about the language. So, do you guys um, do you guys incorporate Spanish or Vietnamese in the household, or is it just primarily? So very English? very early on, it was um, Vietnamese because okay. um, we we go over to my my parents a pretty good you know. About every other weekend, or at least once a month, you know, when we live in Bear. So we've kind of moved out to about 30 minutes out of the Bay Area. So depending on the time of the day, the traffic can be pretty bad getting in or getting out. But um, we do have um, her, my wife's parents, with, living with us. So then now they get a little bit more of the, the Mexican side and Spanish. Um, and it's very helpful because for me, it's like my job is very demanding, which you know, they all understand, like, if I've got to leave, you know, for four days, five days, then it, it can be tough on her to take care of four kids. So four kids, to have our yeah. in-laws with us, yeah, um, it's very helpful. So in that aspect, they're very, they're able to get into their uh, Mexican side as well. Mm-hmm. Got it. Super cool, man. Um, now I kind of want to dive back into a little bit about the, there's a, I want, to, I want to talk a little bit about Vietnamese and the topic of wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you being the first Vietnamese American rest, I mean, uh, referee, um, while you were going uh, during your time in the Indies and also like uh, at W, is have you seen any other prospects or other uh, other next generation um, wrestlers coming from our community, uh, male or female, that that uh, that you come across? So if we spoke, so as like we spoke earlier with Viva Van, like mm-hmm. um, now that that's opened my eyes to seeing her side, what she's trying to do for the Vietnamese community, that's that's pretty cool. I know there's one um, in New 
New Orleans area, the Louisiana area. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, uh, Paul Wynn. I think he goes by Buku Dao. But, um, yeah. <laughs> what a name, but, um, man. What so a he's name. out there. <laughs> and um, he's trying. Those are the only two Vietnamese ones that I know of then. Got it. So um, I, I, I also briefed you a little bit about, like, there's a, in the country of Vietnam, there is a new independent um, promotion called the VPW, the Vietnam Pro Wrestling. Uh, I don't know quite the origin story of it, but it's starting to kind of uh, um, make its rounds on Instagram and and so forth, which I think they they definitely need to take to social media and promote it a little bit better. But uh, I'm I'm it's cool for me like to see that at least in the country of Vietnam uh, that things are there. There is at least somewhat of an indie indie circle, you know, that is Mm -hmm. starting to happen. I know and wrestling pro wrestling is in other parts of the world is has long long rich history like i would say like in mexico right mexico mm-hmm. pro wrestling is i don't even know how far back pro wrestling yeah, is, Lucha is, Libre, yeah, yeah. It, it, so what what do you think it would take to kind of get the maybe the 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 consumers or like the the, the audience to kind of be more in, interested in um in pro wrestling like what what do you in, let's just speak about it from the place of like, why do you think in America or the WWE product is so successful? Like, what, why, uh, why has wrestling transcended families and generations? I think it's like with wrestling, it's very much storytelling. It's like drama. It's drama. But it's also it, it, and it adds some fun to it. You know, like that you can la- like you can watch a show and you can be compelled. You can watch it and you can laugh. You can you can watch it and just be like, what? you can ask why is that happening. You can almost it, it, it's like soap opera, right? You're mm-hmm. just wondering what's gonna happen next, and it just draws out and it draws out and it draws out. And every single week they find a way to to keep you invested that you want to see like, well, what's gonna happen in the end here? And, you know, it's and it's one of those things where um, it's fun. It's 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 fun to be able to watch something that can be from. 80, 70, 60 years old to a five-year-old kid, you know, you, you, you can all enjoy it. And I think um, that's why it's been so successful from, from myself. Like you see, like I watched it as a kid with my dad, fell out of it, but for somehow in my teens, I found it again. <laughs> and then went to college and in my twenties, I found it again. It's every, I think in every age group, every generation, like you can, you can find something that's going to, that's going to get people back in to watch it. And that's why it's able to, to, to continue and get people in. I, I think one thing naturally that Vietnamese people are me always drawn to, and I think a lot of Asia is, is drama and storytelling. Right. So, yeah. um, I mean, from the theatrics of it. And so I think if, you know, just kind of my thoughts about the VPW, the Vietnam pro wrestling, how they can kind of elevate it things a bit more is, um, Storytell and maybe just uh, character development, like you know, uh, and and build on these maybe themes that can relate more to uh, uh, to the market uh, to the, the the young audience over there, you know. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's, for them, I, I think it's just got to be them promoting on social media more because I've heard about it, but I hadn't seen much footage. So it's something like 
maybe if they can get, you know, what would be the best? I, that, that, I guess that's the big question, right? Like, how do you yeah. get that information out? Um, I know when I started following you on Instagram, it was, you know, it might've been like maybe a thousand or 2000 followers. And now you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of growing your stuff. Like you're finding mm-hmm. your way to get your, mm-hmm. what you want out there. You're like you're connecting right. with people and um, maybe that's something that they've got to do to try to, I mean, it's great to have a good product, but you've got to also try to get yourself somehow find a way to get them stuff on social media, on Instagram and Facebook and, 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 and Twitter X, you know, um, X. It's so, yeah, it's I mean, so I, weird like for me to, to say that. I, keep, yeah. I always still just call it Twitter. I, I still say Twitter, <laughs> but you know, it's, I, I think they got to find, they got to find an engine that's going to be, help them go, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and get their stuff out there. Like how similar, how the business model that you kind of done to try to mm-hmm. get yourself out there too. Because I know I've I started to follow you and then I started seeing um, a lot more collaborations and, and, and you tagging other people. And I was like, then you kind of get that algorithm in, in Instagram and you start seeing other Vietnamese well, things. It grows, right? Uh, actually, I, 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 I appreciate that, um, that, that, uh, that comment. I, I want to say, and you'll get this reference because you're in the WWE, a lot of how I'm modeling the um, VQ media right now is similar to the WWE in a sense of, when I was I was introducing way too many emerging artists or, uh, or or musicians all at once, right? Because I was genuinely so Brian. I was like when I when I started VQ in 2020, mm-hmm. I was so ecstatic to keep on finding musicians in all walks of life, rock, pop, hip hop, whatever, right? Hundreds and hundreds of them. But in the world of wrestling, it's like I found a bunch of indies, right? Some of them will make it, some of them won't. Now, as a platform, WWE or VQ, we our job is to essentially feed the audience, like and really, but in a deep way, not just here flash. Just keep giving so many, so many people to uh, uh, all at once, right? I was just delivering so many artists. Now I'm taking my time to actually zone in, um, hone in on particular characters. Um, be very methodical in their mm-hmm. promo pieces. And yes. then the, the, the buildup is to very similar to WB, the lives, right? The live um, PLEs and, and so forth, the, uh, the premium um, live events. So in my world it would be concerts, getting it to where people have the intrigue um, to where they want to go see them at mm-hmm. their, their concert. So I, I'm not feeding too many people now. Um, yeah. and, and, and lastly, Another thing that the WB has done extremely well is uh, the, the the selling the image alongside with the merchandising, because it becomes it's that is when you you create the uh, the economics behind an athlete or a, a superstar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing to do with music. So I'm kind of I've I a lot of why I'm obsessed about WWE is I'm replicating in my own way. Uh, uh, with yeah. uh, w- w- with musicians and and comics and and so forth. So I think that yeah, uh, because at, at the end of the day, one thing that I've learned is there there is actually not a media platform or uh, a group that is advocating for overseas Vietnamese like in the way that we are right. Like even leaning in on the name VQ, which is like um, what we are referred to outside of Vietnam. Most um, that reference is only. Uh, uh, used in the country of vietnam where like hey these are um, vietnamese that are um from outside you know so mm-hmm. 
I'm, I wanted to expand on that story and, to, and show to both the Vietnamese in Vietnam as well as the Vietnamese Americans over here kind of a hub of what um, all the different and diverse backgrounds that we, we have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you're doing so, a great job with it. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Well, I, I guess on, on that note, this is a question I do ask every one of my guests is um, what does being Vietnamese mean to you? Well, for me, it's, I mean, you've mentioned before too, that not all stories are the same. Right. So it's, yeah. so for me, it was, I'm very proud <laughs> of, of being Vietnamese. I'm very, when I see others make it like musicians, entertainers, um, entrepreneurs, like, you know, I, I have a friend as well in Stockton, you know, he raps and he has a store, um, stay winning. I try to support that business. Because I know, you know, he's trying to make it as well as yep. with, with, with clothes designing and stuff like that. And um, uh, Steve Rock, right? Yeah, I try to support him as much as I can. Um, but it's, I, I want the Vietnamese people to be able to, to do more in, in a lot of uh, professions that is mostly dominated by, you know, you know, other races. <laughs> um, I want us to, like for me to be the first Vietnamese referee in WWE is, okay, I got there. Like, who's going to be the next, you know, it's gonna be the next Vietnamese. Yeah. I mean, th I think there's a half Vietnamese player that's on the OKC Thunder at the moment. That's correct. Uh, Jalen Williams. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, so when I saw him and get drafted. On baseball too, actually, Tommy Pham, um, who plays for the, he just played in the World Series killed it yeah. in the world series he's um he's mixed race himself yeah yeah so like seeing stuff like that is like very like very proud it, it makes me very proud because it's like hey we're let's, we're making some steps forward um we're not so we're not so like held down you know because i feel like uh we need to make some more noise i feel like we we're, we're so much we're so capable of doing more things like we always hear about that glass ceiling you know, and it's time for all of us to, to punch right through that. And I think um, if I can be, you know, one of those Vietnamese people to, to, to be able to inspire someone that's, that's watching this right now or listening to this right now, and they can say, hey, let me do this. Let me try this. Gamble. Go for it. You never know. Just, just make us proud, <laughs> you know. So hopefully, like, I've made the community proud, you know. That's, well, that's I think in sharing, I, I think in sharing your story because it, it it's exactly why I wanted to um, to interview you is because um, there is not going to be another story similar to yours, um, and I am honored to have uh, uh, to to have this conversation and for you to to share also your personal um, your personal story with with your father and um, and and now with with that being said, like what's What's next for you? You're uh, you, you have you know you have a really great job, um, a dream job. If you ask my personal opinion, I definitely want to come. I for one want to go see you at work because I'm a fan of the product. <laughs> we'll have to figure it out when I'm we're uh, out in the in a, the pond or or. You're you know what? It's all exactly. It's always yeah. right there in, in the Honda Center. That's what it mm -hmm. is uh, down here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's what's next for you, man? 
uh, as far as like uh, what? Where do you see yourself where, in the next like five years? Me, well, I, I'd, I'd still like to be able to referee. My goal is to go another possibly ten years doing awesome. this. Um, after that, I, I would still like to be still with the company. Um, I do enjoy the behind the scenes work. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's like, uh, uh, I feel like I don't have to be in front of the camera. If I can be the behind the scenes person, like putting things together, making sure that, you know, um, the show goes on right. Um, I, I like the video side, the audio side, the lighting, all that stuff that goes behind the scenes. Like I enjoy that stuff and and I do enjoy working, um, with all my coworkers that way too, and learning those things because it's, it's in the entertainment business. It's so, it's so much fun. It's just, there's so many things to learn. And that's one, that's another thing my dad told me was this, Hey, like when you, when you're, when you're doing something, you're learning, like you've got to learn multiple trades, like never stop learning because you never know like what, what, what they may need you for. And, and that's one thing that's also helped me out in this business, like getting into wrestling, right? Because, okay. So I started refereeing. I learned that kind of, <laughs> then I went to wrestling, but I wanted to better myself. So I went to a different school, I learned more. And then now that I do this, it's like learn how to build a ring, learn how to tear down a ring, learn how to fix this, learn how to fix that. And it's just, I'm, he's always taught me to make yourself where they can't, they, they can't just release you, fire you, or just lose you. They know you're too important. And that's one thing that I've taken from him, you know, him being an immigrant, coming here with, with nothing, with my mom, my two sisters and myself with nothing. And he made something of himself. He gave me a path. Now it's my job to create a path for my son, River, <laughs> you know, Drax, Lux, and my daughter, Lake. It's, it's, I, I need to open up a path for them just like he did for me. Got it. Now, one, my last question is going to be a fan question. Um, okay. And, but it's more directed towards, uh, it's 100% directed towards you in terms of from a ref, from in your career up to this mm-hmm. point, what, which match has been the most significant for you um, or, or, or significant or meaningful for you and why? Um, the funny thing is my most memorable match wasn't even on WWE TV. I what? Think it, it, was, it was for FC, Florida Championship Wrestling, FCW. Okay. I had maybe been in, in there for a year and a half, close to two years, and it was a match between Seth Rollins and um, Dean Ambrose, who's known as John Moxley now. John Moxley, yeah, yeah. And they had a match that was, um, well, we had we had a title in FCW by Dusty Rhodes. He called it the FCW 15. So for 15 minutes, guys would wrestle. And whoever had the most pinfalls and submissions would win the match. And that was really a prestigious prestigious thing to have that medal was because, I mean, you don't, you, it's not wrestling a four or five minute match and being done. Like you had to go 15 minutes. So you had to be technically smart and 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 wrestling and figuring out how to do this match well they had built it to a point where it was going to be an fcw 30 so now they had 30 minutes so our show was an hour so we were going to have to they hyped up this match we did the match to the end and um after the match they were tied and so we still had to go another five minutes so this match went close to 40 minutes total with all the with all the you know the talking and stuff like that in between. And those guys were so good that, you know, I was able to be out there for 40 straight minutes doing a wow. match. 
And when we went back, those guys had a standing ovation because it was, it was honestly one of the best matches that FCWC TV had ever seen. Ever. And wow. being back there, um, when we got back, I guess one thing was like to get a standing ovation from the guys. And mostly it's for the talent, but a lot of it, a lot of guys came up to me too and was like, oh man, you did a great job out there. Our producer, you know, gave us all waters. It's like, ah, that, was, that match was unbelievable. But what's important too for us referees too is like, you, you can't be, we're, we're told to not be a part of the match. We're there, but the focus yeah. is on the wrestlers, you know? And, um, but for them to say like, you made, you helped them do the finish and you helped that match go. That was the one I was like, Hey, I can do this. Like if they trusted me to do that 40 minute match. Okay. I can do this, you know, because you don't want to get put into a situation where you think, Oh, I want to do the match from like with, with John Cena and somebody else and then completely blow it. Like you need to, like, you know, your limits before you, you know, you, you put yourself in a situation that, that, that you, you know, maybe well in over your head. And that was one I, I felt like, hey, that was my top match. That made me feel comfortable. That made me feel like I can hang, I can be in this business, that I'm gonna make it to the main roster and I'm gonna be somebody. I'm gonna ask you a creative question. This is going back to your, uh, your wrestling days. Um, mm -hmm. If you were given a shot again to be a wrestler, what would your, how would you design your persona and your, uh, um, your character now? Knowing everything, all the experience you know now, and the current sorry, WWE sorry, universe, can you start? Can you start the question over sure. again? Sure, right. absolutely. So this, I'm going to ask you a creative question. So if you were given the yeah. shot from the WWE to make uh, to bring a new character that that is yourself um, to the main roster, knowing everything you've learned so far, what and you understand the uni WWE universe, mm -hmm. what kind of Anna, or what kind of character would you bring that you think will resonate resonate with the uh, WWE universe as Brian Wynn? I think it would be not just being Vietnamese American, but I could probably sell them on being an Asian American. You know, because um, I th I think one thing that that's never really been done was having an uh like like a perfectly English speaking Asian 100%. on screen. You know. But that's like that's half the battle with it. It's so hard to make it to WWE. Like you see so many good guys that are so good in the ring that they can just work circles around other guys and technically so smart, but they can't. They're not able to, um, I guess, express themselves on the microphone. It's, it's 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 finding a fine line between like you've got to be great in both, and that's so yeah. difficult. You know, it's. I mean, I guess I, I don't really have the answer for that as opposed, as opposed to just being like, hey, I want to be the first English-speaking Asian-American that, that, that the Asian community can, can look and actually um, resonate with. You know, it's, 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 it'd be trying to find a way, I guess, to, to make that happen. Got it. Yeah, I mean, so to give everyone context, most of the current um, Asian superstars in the company, uh, they're primarily representing from their original um where they're from japanese to be probably the most prominent of them all you know um i would say yeah japanese wrestling is probably the most uh 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 seasoned correct in terms of like fan base yeah, and, and it is and it's it's one of those things where um 
the also the reason why I moved to Missouri was because Harley had a great connection with Pro Wrestling No at the time. So one of the, one of the dream things to do was to actually go to Japan and try to wrestle there as well because they have such um, a great history there and their style is so tough. That I was like, eh, you, know, you kind of want to test your toughness as well and see if you can hang, you know. And it was one of the points where um, I almost made it there. Like when I was offered my job, offered to be a referee, it was February of 20, 2010. And I did a camp at Harley's that, um, that winter. And they wanted to take me out to be part of their best of the super junior heavyweight tournament. But that wasn't going to take out place until September. So I could have lived that dream, but it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I've got to take my deal now. It's like, I can't, I can't wait. What if, what if the deal's not on the table still? Like, you know, I almost made it there but <laughs> to be part of that okay. history, be part of pro wrestling, you know, but, um, I think it was just the safer bet to be, to become a referee with WWE. Got it. Well, Brian, this pretty much is our time. Um, I definitely, there's so many wrestling questions that I would ask, but this is not a, this is not a wrestling <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we'll save that for offline. No, but I um, uh, greatly enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate it, man. And uh, I hope we could uh, yeah. meet in person one day uh, in your at your work. I'm sure we will. Yeah. And, uh, I'm and I'll be myself, there, not too far away, cheering you on. 